From traveling the world as a ballerina to landing her first role after university at Chanel, Carlotta Rodbin is a twice published author and former head of open innovation at the world's most renowned luxury fashion and beauty house. In this episode of Tech Powered Luxury, we discuss everything from the meaning of beauty within different cultures to how artificial intelligence will shape the future of the luxury industry. Season three of Tech Bowered Luxury is proudly brought to you in partnership with our amazing sponsor, Farmhouse Fresh, an American skincare brand on a mission to rescue complexions and animals. Founded 19 years ago by Shannon MacLinden, the brand has over 200 incredible skincare products with ingredients grown fresh on their farm in Texas. The Farmhouse Fresh custom-designed ranch headquarters is built on a 10-acre hill and is home to a hydroponic greenhouse, a spa and training facility, a non-profit farm animal sanctuary, meaning they are surrounded every day by the beautiful animals that they rescue. With 70 employees and thousands of spas who provide Farmhouse Fresh skincare experiences, Farmhouse Fresh is known for freshly grown skincare that rescues both complexions and animals. Loved by household names and celebrities around the globe, including Oprah, who discovered Farmhouse Fresh in 2007, as well as Catherine Zeta-Jones, Lisa Kudrow, and many, many more. Every single product from Farmhouse Fresh has a code that allows you to track and discover which animals were rescued thanks to your purchase. We could not have asked for a better partner for season three of Tech Powered Luxury, who embodies luxury, technology, and most importantly, kindness into their business. Our listeners benefit from $10 off every $100 purchase with the code TLUXURY on farmhousefreshgoods.com. Hi, this is Ashley McDonald, host of Tech Powered Luxury. I am so excited to introduce today's guest, Carlotta Rodbin, who has not only lived all over the globe and absorbed so much from various communities and cultures, but she's also used those experiences to write her first book, Beauty As It Is, before she'd even graduated. From interviewing luxury and beauty experts around the globe in order to write her book, she connected with thought leaders and industry insiders, which helped in landing her first role at Chanel, which led to an incredible career there. Carlotta pushed the boundaries of high-tech in the world of haute couture and wrapped up her time at Chanel while developing new concepts within the global innovation team. Carlotta has just published her second book, Beyond Luxury, which looks at luxury through the lens of the modern world, where technology is at our fingertips and intertwined with every touchpoint we have with the industry. Carlotta's book is about luxury, but it is also powered by AI for multiple components, including the audiobook, something that's really at the forefront of technological advancements. So wherever you are listening from in the world today, whether you're hoping to discover how to land a dream job at Chanel or how to publish not one but two books before turning 30, I'm sure you'll discover all of that and much, much more in today's conversation with Carlotta Rodbin. One of our listeners will win a signed copy of Carlotta's newly published book, Beyond Luxury. So be sure to check out our Instagram page, Tech Powered Luxury, in order to be in with the chance of winning. Carlotta, welcome to the Tech Powered Luxury Podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. I'm doing very well. How are you? Very good. I'm so excited to have you here because it's been a big, big moment for you. You have just published your second book, which is one of the main reasons we're here. It's to talk about everything to do with luxury and tech, of course. And you have written a book called Beyond Luxury, The Promise of Emotion. And within this book, you deep dive into everything about technology, AI, Web3, Metaverse. It's all in there. So, I mean, I think we're going to have a very interesting conversation today. I agree. I'm very excited to be here. 
<laughs> um, so I guess before we dive into you know, the book and whatnot, I want to make sure people understand that you're someone that's really coming from the industry and not just the industry of beauty and fashion and luxury. Um, but also I would say entertainment as well. We can talk a little bit about your time being a ballerina and how you saw luxury from the other side. Um, but first, tell me, who are you and what led you to where you are today? I was born in the US. I am originally from Spain and my life when I was younger really kind of built who I am today because I moved, had a very odd um, upbringing moving every two to three years. So lots of cultures, lots of different countries, cities, people, um, food experiences that really built who I am today. Um, then basically went to college in LA um, which was another one of my also big uh, building blocks in my life. Spent a year of that in Russia, which was a very big link to the dance background that you were talking about before. I was mm -hmm. ballerina all my life. And since I moved so much, it was it was great because that was my identity as, as a person. I was a ballerina. I didn't know where I was from. I didn't know where I really identified with in, in a place or a location, but I did know that I was a dancer and everywhere I lived, I danced and I did Russian ballet schools. And so I lived in Russia for a little bit. That also kind of gave me another glimpse on what now I understand uh, brought me to the luxury world and a lot of Francophone uh, experiences that also gave me a part of me that was very French and was very Francophone in, in the culture, less so in the language, although I do speak it, it was more in the culture and the importance that the francophone world gives to gives to luxury, especially Paris. So when it comes to your educational journey, how did that actually work? Like if you were moving every two to three years throughout your childhood, were you jumping from school to school? And how did that help shape your understanding of what you wanted to do when you grew up? Yeah, I was jumping from school to school and I was a new girl uh, more times than I can remember. Um, so it did it did really shape who I am today and how I deal with situations in life, how I adapt to situations and analyze situations and how I work with others, which is something that um, has really helped me get where I have uh, gotten today is, is the way um, to work with others and to work with people from different backgrounds and to really have diversity in thought and in creation. When I was younger, everyone always told me I should be a diplomat because of my life. <laughs> and my parents were not diplomats, yeah. which is always also the question. <laughs> and so I, I studied international relations, Russian and French at USC. I triple majored in those. And I thought I was going to be working as a diplomat or in government. And that's what my focus was for a long time. In the last couple of months of my university career, I decided that this is not what I was going to do. And this was not my my true passion. <laughs> I had a long conversation with um, my father one day and he basically asked me if you had a Google search bar and four hours, you can't do anything social media related on the computer. What would you search and what would you read about? Mm. And my answer was anything about nutrition, because that was something that had been very prevalent in my life, or anything about beauty and the perception of beauty, and not only beauty as um, what we hear today as makeup and skincare, but also how different cultures perceive beauty and different features um, in, in people. And so I decided to take on that journey to actually go through with it and analyze 
what it is that people do perceive in different uh, parts of the world. So I went ahead with my first book. So nutrition got shelved. <laughs> nutrition got shelved. It's still a very uh, passion project of mine. I, yeah. I, I still think that that's a holistic way to view beauty as well on how we ingest beauty. But um, but yes, definitely that's how I started on the path to beauty and then luxury fashion, etc. I mean, you've had an incredible career. So you've actually recently wrapped up almost four years at Chanel, which is really the pinnacle of luxury, not just when it comes to beauty, but also when it comes to fashion, art de vivre, you know, that quintessential French definition of luxury. And you've also written a, a first book, actually, about beauty. Can you tell me a little bit about how you wrote that first book and how you managed also doing all this while having like a full-time role, um, which was a very demanding one as well? Because I'm sure a lot of people would love to write a book and think, do I need to quit my job in order to, you know, take two years to write a book, eventually publish one, and then what do I do? Yeah, actually, this one's an interesting uh, story because I started writing the book in the last uh, part of the last few months of my university career. Mm. And then I uh, moved to Paris, actually, for the first time um, to finish the book here and then traveled to different parts of the world to interview people. And um, that's how I ended up interviewing 65 people in the industry, in the beauty industry to to write this book. I was not in a full-time job at this moment. So the first book was very easy for me to concentrate full-time on on this book and be able to write it and be able to talk to the right people in the right cadence. Um, and actually, I ended up at Chanel through this first book because one of the people I had interviewed at Chanel three months later interviewed me right when the book was launching to get a job at Chanel. And so that's how I ended up at Chanel. Very uh, uh, conventional way, yeah. I think, um, to end up there. And also, also I, I didn't know I wanted to be in this industry yet yeah. until it kind of came to me in this in this way. Then fast forward to 2020, I then during COVID decided I was going to write the second book. Mm -hmm. So my first book called Beauty As It Is was written right before getting into Chanel. And then my second book was fully written when I had a full-time job. And that was a whole nother <laughs> experience yeah. to write. And of course, not as easy as writing a book when you have full time to write it. But that's so interesting to hear that it was actually your journey of writing the book that not just opened up the world of luxury to you, but literally landed you in that seat to be interviewed by the same person that you'd been interviewing. So I, that's one of the reasons why I have the podcast as well, is to show people there's no complete set path to let you into the luxury industry because some people ask, how do I get in? How do I land that role? Of course, Chanel being one of the um, the most aspirational brands to work for, but there's no one way to do it. Um, you know, if you feel like writing a book, perhaps that is an avenue, <laughs> even if it wasn't your goal for it to get you True. into the, the beautiful house of Chanel. It, it clearly is uh, something that um, yeah made a big impact and inspired them and helped them understand what you were capable of. So Fast forward, you spend, you know, almost four years at Chanel. You were in Madrid, you were in London, uh, Paris. I guess you were probably traveling around the world a little bit. 
you know, top level, what can you tell us about your time there? Um, and what did you take away from that experience? My time at Chanel was very formative. I think it's been, it was one of the most four years of the most formation. I think how I operate in the business world and how I also operate with challenges, uh, professional challenges and personal challenges. I learned so much from luxury itself and what uh, really a luxury brand truly means and what it stands for, how to build a team, because that was one of the biggest challenges I think I had while uh, working at Chanel was building a team and an, an innovation team that started from zero and having that that uh, momentum build up and, and kind of build something that didn't exist with people that didn't know what even innovation could mean for their role if they were participating and this was when I was in Chanel, Iberia, which is Chanel, uh, Chanel Spain and Portugal. Mm-hmm. From there, that was in a regional and and local kind of perspective on how to build a team and, and lead a team then with people that had many more years of experience than I did. So that was one of the, the most challenging yet um, learning, uh, deep learning experiences. And my learning curve was just skyrocketing every day was a new day was a new challenge was um also learned so much from the people I worked with which I think was one of the most interesting uh things about the progression of my career was that really quickly I was sitting down with um the table of of a steering committee and learning from the head of marketing the head of strategy the head of communication, the head of PR, the head of sales. So I was uh, very quickly sitting down with people that managed the strategy of a lot of different uh, parts of the company that allowed me to see how jewelry and watches work, how fashion works, how beauty works, and how these three sides of the of the company really work with each other and as one company. Mm-hmm. So this was a very big formative part of my career. And then working at the global team was also a huge formative uh, experience because I was working with people that now was in the big game, was in the big strategy for the whole company, not for a region or a local market anymore, yeah. uh, but really looking at things um, a lot more big picture and forward thinking and, and foresight thinking, being in the open innovation team, um, the global open innovation team with them and uh, thinking of new concepts and how to build them. So that was uh, another great experience for me. And really, I think Chanel has taught me everything that I know today about business and luxury and about how to build things and really base yourself on innovation and creativity to build new beautiful experiences and products. Incredible. I mean, I'm looking here at the titles that you had when you were at Chanel. So you started out as a retail learning and development specialist within fragrance and beauty, but very quickly moved into innovation as project manager. Then you were ahead of open innovation, Spain and Portugal, and then you were new concepts global open innovation. And that was when you were based in London. So you had a really quick trajectory. Um, you moved really fast, you moved up really quickly. And this is something that I I really admire because it's really not as easy to do this in, you know, a massive global uh, luxury brand. How do you think you did it? I think I had the right people around me. Um, and, and I had really people that believed in me all along the way. And I think that's uh, one of the most important things. I don't, I don't think it's only 
concrete to to luxury. I think it's like that uh, in most things in life. Yeah, I was very blessed in having the right sponsors around me at the right time, and that believed in me and that had full trust in me. And I think yeah. that that was very important because without the trust that I had received from my managers uh, while at Chanel, the building new things and uh, building new teams would have never worked. It would have never worked because it, it just um, had a lot of risk attached to it. And I needed someone around me that would have given me this push and this kind of thought. I, I have one of one of my managers that would always say, it's okay, yeah. test and learn. It's okay, test and learn. Mm-hmm. Every time I'd come with something that I was like, oh my God, this is such a fail. Um, he said, no, it's not a fail. Test and learn. I want to see what you do next. Really good advice. <laughs> we all need to tell ourselves that as well. If you don't have someone around you that's saying that to you, you just have to say it to yourself. Test, test and learn. I tested, I test learned. Test and learn. <laughs> exactly. And um, I think after testing and learning so many times, this is also something that, that um, I, like the compiling, when something works, I think you learn so much less than when something doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and when something doesn't work, it normally takes it not working many times before it does work. So at least you've learned a fair amount. Uh, and I think it really resonated as well with the kind of roles I've had in innovation. And a lot of people, to your question before that you were asking, uh, what was your educational background? A lot of people ask me, what did you study to work in innovation? Or how did you get there? Or um, how did you get that role? And really, I think my life has been a, a test and learn process <laughs> since I was born. Um, moving every two to three years, I think it was test and learn on who I am. Who I, I really quickly had to know who I was as a person to not like yeah. fall into like uh, different uh, personalities or different people when I was moving so much. So um, it was definitely testing and learning every time there. And also it, it is kind of a mindset, I think, and then uh, a curiosity mindset on how, what, what you're curious about and learning about and testing and being curious why it worked or why it didn't work and going again for it and really getting things done. I think innovation is a lot about um, doing things. So it doesn't matter if it's not perfect at first, just do it and then learn from it and do it again. And I think that's really what my, my surrounding at Chanel as well gave me while I was there was test it. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work right now, just yeah. test it again and test it again and get the right information and research and look at trends and forecasts and, and just test and see what happens. Mm -hmm. That's really good advice. And one thing that stood out to me there was when you said sponsor, because people often say, oh, do I need a mentor? Do you have a mentor? How do I get a mentor, etc.? No, not everyone needs to be your mentor and not everyone can be either, especially internally in the organization that you work with but having a sponsor. So someone who's there to, you know, give you feedback, to make sure you're going in the right direction, to maybe say your name um, when someone is looking for someone to work in a specific project and they can say, actually, you know, you should give them a chance. I think that's really key. And I'm now at a stage where I'm trying to be a sponsor for many people as well and to make sure that those around me in the company that I know want to move into these maybe more innovative kind of roles and whatnot, um, that they get that shout out because it's not always a clear path. Like you said, you don't just come fresh out of university having studied innovation and luxury. I mean, for the most part, that type of education doesn't really exist. Um, And if it does, I think you learn, as you said, like, from testing and learning, from doing. Um, so these are all things that can be taught. But if you have a love for the industry and if you have a love for um, learning and trying new things and innovation and whatnot, 
I think it's a space that a lot of people can move into. And the more skills that you're bringing from the more traditional side of how luxury works, I see it all as a as a plus because you understand who are the luxury customers, how does the luxury industry function? And then, you know, you learn about technology and figure out how to marry those together. So I guess the question I have for you is for people who are maybe starting out, how do you find someone who could be your sponsor? Um, do you seek them out or is it more just about building trust and relationships and that comes organically? I think there's many ways of, of getting a sponsor. Uh, my first sponsor was someone that had trust in what I had done prior and, and what capabilities he saw for me in the future. And this first sponsor for me was the person I interviewed at the beginning, whom I did not know at all when I interviewed mm -hmm. for the book. And then he interviewed me to to be hired at Chanel. And then he was my big sponsor for a while. And then I kind of pivoted to other sponsors as well mm -hmm. while, I was, while I was at Chanel. But definitely, I think um, if it doesn't come to you, then I, I really think I did seek out some sponsors well at Chanel as well. And not even just at Chanel, I think externally as well in the same industries or even in different industries, just yeah. to have you, like, especially when I was interviewing people for my second book, I needed sponsors as well to introduce me to the right people. Sometimes yeah. an intro goes such a far uh, way because you're not, you're vetted by someone that they trust. And so yes. I think um, when you don't have this come to you, then definitely the right way to go about it is to go for it. And sometimes you have some of both, some come to you and some you go looking out for. And this person, I think, just needs to have this this relationship built with you. As you say, I don't think every person has to be a mentor. Yeah, I think that's a lot of an ask. And that is something mm. for me that has always kind of spun out into a mentorship, never asked, like, can you be my mentor? Mm. Um, it's more like it just kind of happens where we have a phone call every X amount of time and, and that kind of happens. And then others that we don't talk as much, but that uh, we do have that relationship. And I have expressed uh, what I, they, they have seen what I've done before and expressed mm. what my, what my passions and motivations are for the future. And they do have me in mind for, hey, I saw this. Would this be interesting? Hey, I talked to this person. I think you should talk to them. Or me, hey, I, I know that you are more familiar about this kind of topic. Or can you vouch for me? I'm working on this. Can you vouch yeah. for me on it? For most of the projects I've been working on inside and outside of Chanel, this kind of person to to vouch for what you're working on because they trust what you what you're doing and your potential. I think yeah. the potential part is the most important um, aspect. Some people just lean on what you've already done before. Yeah. And um, I think that's a very comfortable way of doing it. The most interesting sponsors are the sponsors that see potential in you mm. um, and will catapult you forward every time. So I would recommend both <laughs> allowing those doors to open when they come in and you also going forward and speaking to to potential sponsors and not all of them that you'll reach out to will be your sponsors, but yeah. maybe one out of 10 will. And that's maybe a very potent one. Definitely. And I wanted to ask you about that because when I look at the career you've had, you have had phenomenal positions in an incredible company. You've had an international scope. You've lived in many cities and like, that's what so many people look at and they're like, 
that's what I'd love to have. How do I do it? So that's why I really wanted to take a moment and maybe it's less about luxury and less about tech, but it's actually, it's about relationships, communication, building trust. And they're all really key. They're the soft skills that actually will, will take you further than anything to do um, with your education or with the connections that you have, your network, that kind of thing. Actually, no, it's about being able to forge new relationships. And um, yeah, so thank you for, for being so transparent on that, because I think that's probably what has been really, really key to, to your success. Actually, it's not just about all of the other amazing things that you've done, but that's the foundation. It was really the boot camp of, of life that I was talking about at the beginning. Yeah. I, I had this, I was forced to, a lot of people, when they meet me, they ask me if I'm an extrovert. And really, I think I'm pretty introverted, but life <laughs> trained me to be an extrovert. Yeah. I had to lose my shyness and lose my everything very early on if I wanted to make friends and approach people. And, yeah. and, um, and I think that was one of the biggest uh, life boot camps I've had. And I really, really um, appreciate that that was the kind of path my parents took, both my sister and I, um, throughout our lives, because I think this is one of the, um, my biggest, um, I think strength is people. And that's at first when, when I knew that it, it, when I was younger, I thought that, what, well, why is my strength Excel or why isn't my strength like, um, computing numbers. Um, <laughs> but I, I now realize that, that it is a, a pretty powerful tool to not only in your personal life, but in your professional life as well. Absolutely. And that's why you would have made also a great diplomat. <laughs> now you're a, a diplomat of uh, fashion and innovation and everything to do with luxury and beauty, which maybe is a, <laughs> is the perfect fit that brings all of your <laughs> skills and interests together. Um, but if we bring it back to your book, because also I loved that you're, you're an author. You're so young, you've done so much, but you're not afraid to say, but I'm actually an expert on this field or I'm leaning into the experts that are there and I'm interviewing them and I'm bringing, you know, the best knowledge. Basically, it's like the book version of Tech Powered Luxury Podcast, which I love. And that's why when I met you first, I was like, you have to come on and talk about your book and then help me figure out how to turn Tech Powered Luxury into a book. <laughs> um, and how do we turn your book into a podcast? Because it's all so interlinked. And um, I think yeah. especially in the luxury world, we're going back to books, you know, look at the success of Asuline right now. And, you know, these beautiful books are, I look at Roxy Nafusi and her books manifest. I see those as little pieces of, of luxury, you know, offline is the new luxury being able to really disconnect and um, have a longer format of media to consume and to interact with, um, which is why I love podcasting as well. It's not just, you know, a short TikTok video. It's something that has a lot of substance. So let's take it back to the book, Beyond Luxury, The Promise of Emotion. In a nutshell, what is it about and why did you write it? So my book is about redefining the future of what the concept of luxury means. And this also means uh, going back to luxury brands and understanding what possible trends could come up that could help uh, brands today understand different avenues that they could look into for um, for the future and to make sure that they remain relevant. Because I'm a huge optimist about the luxury industry, and I don't only believe that they will remain in the future. I think that they will thrive thrive in the future, and that um, they have all the the resources and, and power to do so. And so, the most interesting thing I think right now is to look at all of those avenues and there are few um few things i had seen uh when i started working on this i started working on this 
during COVID because I was asking myself during COVID, mm. what will happen to this industry? And I was seeing myself firsthand uh, building this innovation team, which is which was during COVID was the project we were working on were things that we had to we had to be uh, really quickly um, readapting and analyzing what was going on and how our consumers were acting mm-hmm. and reacting and be and behaving and how this would change how this speed in in really this exponential change we used to have this very linear change of of life and now this exponential change would um, really accelerate how digital platforms were were integrated into our lives and integrated into our everyday um, lifestyle. And so this book has um, four big um, pushes. One, which is talking about Gen Z and Mm. how their behavior is also um, touching the behavior of the ageless generation. So for me, the ageless generation is this perennial generation. Doesn't matter what age you are, you act in in this very... um, young way uh, and very tied to how Gen Z and millennials and zillennials um, yes. approach. Zillennials. Yes. So this, I wanted to ask about zillennials because you mentioned a lot in your book, this word zillennials yes. and you yourself, you call yourself a zillennial. What's a zillennial? A zillennial is the group of people that fall right in the bracket, uh, right between Gen Z and millennials. So 1996 is the cusp of when millennials turn into the Gen Z's, uh, the separation between Gen Z and millennials. Yep. And uh, right around that area, those five years around 1996, uh, before and after are the ones that are called Zillennials. And so I myself uh, identify as a Zillennial. I have many millennial friends <laughs> that I feel very different to and many, many Gen Z friends that I also feel um, mm. that uh, the way I act about things and react are very different, which was very interesting as well for me to speak to a lot of these people for the book. Um, but Zillennials are a very um, core also industry, uh, a core, sorry, spectrum of, of generation to look at for a lot of what's happening in the luxury industry. And I love it because I think a lot of people are probably listening being like, yeah, you know what? I don't feel like a millennial. I'm within the millennial group or I don't feel like Gen Z. I'm within that group. I'm really in between. And now you know what you are. You're a zillennial. <laughs> You're a zillennial. And yeah. it also sounds very cool. So <laughs> Yeah. I think I'm definitely a zillennial as well. Um, born in 1993. And I think a lot exactly. of the things I do are a bit cliche Gen Z, but then sometimes millennial as well, you know, just in between. And I think similar to yourself with the, an international upbringing and living across many different countries, your identity, it's just like, it's who you are rather than where you're from or <laughs> what age group absolutely, you're in. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't believe in ageism and uh, I don't believe in, in, uh, in any type of putting people in boxes. So yeah. I'm very much in line with what you just said. Yeah. Okay. So now we know what millennials are. Let's go back to what the book is about and why, you know, why you felt the need to publish this and put this out there. So first, uh, it's about Gen Z and the ageless generation and how their behaviors are impacting mm. uh, the industry today and potentially in the next 10 to 15 years. Um, secondly, it's about using how does tech impact and the acceleration of tech impact the industry and how it can be beneficial to the industry. Then there's a huge part about sustainability. So how sustainability and really purpose-driven luxury is um, driving the future of 
of um, the industry and how it should be taken into account, both in the ways that we make things, that we sell things, that we um, make experiences, that we treat them products and, and even synthetic biology, how we're making them in the first place. Then also there's a very big part about experience, which is uh, what I truly believe in. And this is kind of the big what if scenario that I pose in the book, uh, a foresight scenario of what if the, this industry went from a product centric ind industry to an experience centric industry. Um, and so this is something I truly believe in is experiences and the power of experiences and of emotion through these experiences. And then lastly, it's really storytelling and how the storytelling of all of this, um, which is the forte of luxury. And it's mm. always been this, this power of storytelling and this power to dream and to aspire and inspire, um, how we can use this power of storytelling to use it towards technology, towards experience and towards, um, the sustainability aspect of things. How can we really tell the story and make luxury and the legacy of luxury and modernity and really the innovations and novelty that is going on today? How can we make it merry and dance together to, to build the, the future and co-create the future of, of what the luxury industry means? And I really think it's, it's all of us that should co-create it, both, um, people in the industry, people outside of the industry that are interested in in the industry or in in different types of of adjacent industries that also are starting to creep in to to the luxury industry like hospitality like experience um like uh tourism all of these different technology and and sustainability all of them just really recreating and redefining what luxury means to us and, and following the purpose and values of, of new generations. Absolutely. And you said it at the beginning and at the end, purpose, purpose driven. That is something that I've become quite, I would say, obsessed with in the last couple of months when, you know, working on brand campaigns or even when interviewing people on Tech Powered Luxury, like what's the purpose behind if they have a, a brand and they're creating actual products? At the end of the day, anyone really could go and create the exact same product with the same packaging, with the same scent, with the same look and feel. So I think it's going to come down to what's the purpose and the DNA and what are the values of your brand that will be the deciding factor, especially within luxury, if someone buys your product versus a competitor's. And it's something that people like cannot overlook. It's all going to come down to you know purpose and, and values. I think that's going to be the most important thing. Um, and it's not something digital. And it's not necessarily something luxury, but it will be the most important thing at the crossover between luxury and technology. Absolutely. Season three of Tech Powered Luxury is proudly brought to you in partnership with our amazing sponsor, Farmhouse Fresh, an American skincare brand on a mission to rescue complexions and animals. Our listeners benefit from $10 off every $100 purchase with the code TLUXURY on farmhousefreshgoods.com. One of the things that I really um, admired about the book, because it's a topic that you just kind of decided to go straight into, um, and it's been the elephant in the room for the industry for, for the last couple of months in particular, since, you know, ChatGPT and MidJourney and these kind of platforms became something that anyone can just use. You talk about how generative AI is going to be a core component of the industry and it's going to ultimately change many, many things. What's your stance on this? 
Yeah, I think uh, generative AI will change a lot of things and it will really recreate and rebuild a lot of our processes in, in luxury brands as it will in many other uh, processes and ways that we live in our personal lives in, in any other industry as well. Um, but to, to talk about specifically in the in the luxury industry, I think there's three big areas where it could have a, a core component in generative AI in everything that is helping and really using it as a as a vehicle to elevate um, most of of the areas in luxury is what's most interesting to me. Not as a replacement of, mm. but as a as a vehicle to really elevate and really use as a kind of booster. Um, for example, when we're talking about creatives, um, the, the human centered creativity and the human creativity in the industry is the most powerful, um, one of the most powerful pillars that luxury has to offer, right? It's, it's this craftsmanship, it's this artisanal, um, aspect of doing things. And it's this human creativity, that comes behind it. Um, I do think, however, that there is a generative AI can help a lot of the inspiration towards it. And, and I'll give a, a really quick example. A lot of times we travel to different or creative direction teams travel to different parts of the world to get inspiration from those parts of the world. That takes a lot of uh, flights that takes a lot of people to go there, that takes a lot of uh, budget to go there. And so sometimes that is necessary. And that is something that we want to do as, as humans to experience things in real time and in real life. Also, though, there's other ways to, to now be inspired and to have inspiration. And I myself use Midjourney a lot to get inspired um, with things. Um, and we can talk about it later, but I've been doing a lot of future kind of workshops uh, and and works with what things could look like in the future with uh, some people that, that work in this and are prompt engineers. And I see the power of all of the inspiration you can get from Midjourney, uh, for example, just to name a few of the of the mm -hmm. different platforms that you can you can do with generative AI. Then also uh, now there's Runway that has come out with like incredible ways to make films, which is absolutely astonishing to see what what AI can do today. And I think it can't be just put to the side. It has to be used as either a form of inspiration or a form of elevation of what the human uh, centered creativity and design has already made. And so um, as as a companion, I think it can work amazing towards everything that is uh, creation. Yeah. Then when we're talking about any other aspect on how to really optimize operations and how we do things, all of these very like mundane tasks that we used to do, have a generative AI do it for us and have us really having the human power to really elevate towards using work hours for different things and also having other work hours maybe spent towards more creative and inspiring sides of, of the industry, I think is also a core part of the luxury industry, which is how can we dream, how can we inspire and how can we think of things done differently and keep innovating. And sometimes we need space to innovate. It's not if we're all in our day to days doing a lot of um, mundane tasks, then it's really hard to find time and space and brain space to innovate and to think of new things. And I think this can be a huge space that we can open up for people that work in the industry. Yeah. 
I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like innovation and creativity, they go hand in hand and creativity doesn't happen in between, um, you know, your 500 emails a day uh, while you take a, a two minute moment to scroll through Instagram, like the brain needs space um, and it needs to be inspired. And absolutely. I, yeah, I think um, for me, a lot of that kind of stuff, it happens like outside of my work day. It happens when I sometimes it's when I go to a conference and I just take a moment to just like breathe well, it's okay. It's not a moment of calm at a conference, but it's it's a break from the normal day to day. And you kind of become a sponge. You're just sitting there and listening. And people say, why don't you speak at these conferences? I'm like, I'm going there to learn, actually. <laughs> I don't want to speak. I want to hear what the other people are saying, um, which is really important. Um, I think also the, the, third, the third point about AI and how it can help us in the industry is understanding our, our client. Mm. is really understanding our client to another level that we haven't before because it's just too tedious to do with what the tools we've had um, offered to us until now. And I think now AI and generative AI can absolutely take us to another level on how we understand our consumer and how we understand the data points um, of what our consumers are doing and how they're behaving to really give them the best experience and the best and what they are needing and what they're wanting to and, and what they're wanting at every moment of the of their journey. Carlotta, I have two last questions for you. And they're about your book, but not really at the same time. It's about how you've actually used technology to elevate a book about luxury. So very much tech powered luxury. First thing is the cover of your book. And second thing is the audio book. Can you tell us a little bit about the technology that we use, was used to actually create both of those? Yes. So super exciting because um, my book cover actually was made by a digital artist and visual jockey called Judy Darmon. She uh, works with a lot of luxury companies and does a lot of immersive experiences for them. And I had always been uh, in awe of her work. And uh, at her launch, at the launch of So Paris, uh, which is a hotel, uh, a luxury hotel in Paris, um, she had a lot of different visual art that um, inspired the the launch of, of So Paris. And with her visual art, I saw one of them and I completely fell in love with it. I thought everything about this visual was calling on, on different aspects of what I was talking about in the book. This centered, uh, human-centric experience, like this bliss and awe-inspiring experience that I was seeing this woman that is in the middle of the, of the book cover live was really, really um, calling to me. Very much uh, in line with what I with, with what I'm preaching in the book, which is a tech inspired, um, also um, experience immersive experiences and how these immersive experiences can have us live multisensorial um, moments that really have us have a transcendent moment between before you before and after these, this experience. And I think this is where uh, luxury can really come in and make yeah. a, a really powerful bang in the future. Um, and so I have that as the cover of the book, which Incredible. really uh, resonates with me. People listening need to go and look at it because it is, it's really powerful image. And actually, first I asked you, I said, is this you on the cover? It's really cool. Yes. <laughs> if you're listening, you need to go and actually look at the cover. And um, obviously we as well um, have one book for a lucky listener to win signed by Carlotta as well. So you could be in the chance of winning one. So make sure to check out the Tech Powered Luxury Instagram account um, to be in with a chance to win that. But on the other side, 
audio talk to me about this because this is incredible I loved when you told me about this so I wanted to really make sure we we had a moment to share yes how this happened this is also actually a very exciting um different thing that we're working on because basically to to do the audiobook um there's a little nuance that you'll see if you if you read my my uh first or second book um, I talk about it there. Uh, I, I have dyslexia, so it's hard for me to read um, out loud my own books. And so since the beginning, since my first book, I really wanted it to be myself that read oh. um, my own books. And I really wanted to bring uh, this world um, for for people to really be able to listen to books because I myself love listening to books and I'm an audiobook fan. So how could I not have a book read by myself? So the first book, I did not end up doing an audio book. I tried. I got three chapters in and I started writing my second book and all these things (laughs) happened. And I told myself for the second book, there's no way I'm not having an audio book. And I met um, a startup that is actually based in Israel called Deep Dub Go. They offered to start directing and really um, working with my book as their premiere launch of a book because all they do normally is TV series and and movies. So they double movies and they uh, work with AI to really double the same voice and make sure that every TV series and every book, uh, sorry, every TV series and every movie is doubled in different languages with the same voice of the same actress. That is a game changer. As someone who is always living in different countries and sometimes I accidentally end up in the cinema watching like a movie that, you know, was in English and I accidentally end up seeing it in like the version française, you know, you have to watch it in French and it's like, no, like, because the (laughs) voice of the actors, especially actors that you've maybe watched for years, it's a a new, obviously French uh, voice that's doing it. Like I completely lose the essence of it. So that is insane. So they're going to be. Right. So they're working on super exciting things and they had never done a book before. And I, when I heard that they were doing this, I proposed to them and they thought it was a great idea to um to work with my book and so now um the audio book is in my own voice uh, read by me it's actually pretty scary because it sounds exactly <laughs> like I was reading it and if you weren't listening to this podcast maybe yeah. you thought it was me reading it yeah um but uh it's it's basically now you can listen to it and it's read by me through AI and uh it's a very interesting way on how you can use technology and AI not as a scary tool, as a very powerful tool yeah. to um, elevate things and to make things go quicker and to still have that human touch. And I think the most interesting thing about this is mm. normally people think technology and especially when you're talking about luxury and they think, no, tech is going to remove the human touch. But really, if we think about how can tech, and this is a lot of, mm. this is what I do in the book is what if scenarios and, and foresight on what if this would happen? Yeah. What if technology could actually bring us closer to a human um, touch and a human-centered yeah. experience. And it really does in this case. AI has been used to bring you inside of my world of the book and of a future um, position of, of luxury written by me, but also read by me. Yeah. And I think that is such a more powerful way to consume content and to consume Absolutely. a book than to hear it 
from a radio sounding voice yeah. that we have now this, on oh wow. sometimes. Honestly, you, my mind is racing. I've, I'm just thinking of endless opportunities. So one challenge that I had with the podcast is I wanted it to be available in Chinese. And I've been learning Chinese for a couple of go. years. Yeah. And I really, really, I got with my Chinese teacher, we were working on even you know, recording like the intro to the podcast in Chinese and lots of like little snippets in Chinese. But basically my big difficulty is then when I actually go and interview someone in Chinese, I don't understand like 80% of what they're saying. So <laughs> perhaps I'm going to be doing everything in English and then using uh, this AI technology to have it all available yes. in Chinese. So I'm going to be looking this up right away. This is insane. Carlotta, thank you so much. I've learned so much in our conversation about technology, but also about the, the soft skills that have, you know, given you this in, incredible, um, like start to a career. And I can't even imagine where and what you're going to be doing next, but I know you're working on projects that literally look at the future of luxury. So anyone listening, make sure you follow Carlotta, Carlotta Rodben, get her book. Also go to Tech Powered Luxury because you're in the chance of winning one of her um, first uh, books as well, because it's just being released, signed by her, which is amazing. And um, I'm definitely going to be listening to the audiobook as well to try and yeah come to grasp with this uh, AI technology, which sounds incredible. Thank you so, so much. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for this time and for having me on your podcast. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Tech Powered Luxury. I hope you've been inspired by this conversation with Carlotta. And of course, you can order her new book online, listen to the audiobook, which is powered by AI. And as mentioned, one of our listeners will win a signed copy of Beyond Luxury. So make sure to follow us on Instagram to be in with the chance of winning. Tech Powered Luxury is proud to partner with GladCloud, the platform that is powering our media campaigns through its collaborative social media marketing platform, which is perhaps how you have discovered the podcast today. We'd love to hear from you if you have any ideas, questions, or would like to join us as a guest. 